it's iteration and adaptation. Yeah. And I, uh, I must say, we have become pretty good at this. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Hackcast. This is season three, episode number four, and we're going to talk about how we start new software projects. I am Rado. I'm Ivo. And before we start with the topic, we have something very important to share. Right now, we are at 400 subscribers for our YouTube channel, and our goal is to get to 1,000 subscribers, because if we get there, this will make Teddy, Iveta, and Yana very happy. And me. And also Ivo. And also me. So if you like what you see, if you like our content, like, subscribe, leave a comment, ask us a question because we will be very happy to answer your question. And if you really, really like what you see, share it with a friend. We are aiming for a thousand subscribers. Of course, we are going to give away some kind of prize, but that's not the important thing. The important thing is that our current goal is to get to a thousand subscribers. And after last time, we, we talked about uh, if AI is going to take over our jobs. Now it's back to basics, right. I suppose, and we're going to talk about and discuss what we do and how we actually start a new software project. So the setup is we sign a contract with a new client. Mm -hmm. Everything's fine. Uh, we, we had a joke that what what's the first thing that we do? We send an invoice. <laughs> we're past that. What do we do? How do we start everything? How do we like unfold the potential of the software that needs to be created so the 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 a huge chunk of our work is communication and probably at the start it is the most important part so we need to set up a good way of communication with the client a good way of communicating all right uh, what we what we love to do is setting up a, a shared slack channel yes so we can communicate on hourly basics with our clients especially in the yeah. beginning so communication is key and especially in the very beginning we we need to communicate like it's not daily but it as as you mentioned it's hourly and we tend to use slack why why we tend to use slack we're using it internally for the yeah. company uh, all the company communication is done via slack and it's like a standard in our industry right now most of the clients are already using it yeah. and slack makes it really easy to invite outside outside people from outside the organization. Yeah. We create shared channels or Slack Connect or whatever it's called yeah. right now. And it makes it just really easy to communicate. It supports threads. It supports you know, um, uploading big files, just a good and modern tool for communication. Yeah, and it's, it usually scales better than email because you, oh, can do, sure. you can do some kind of communication through email, but at some point it's really hard because Slack uh, gives you the ability to create multiple channels and in those channels you can communicate on, in multiple threads and the multimedia support is uh, much better. So you mm -hmm. can track progress and track communications and go back and forth with questions and answers in a more meaningful way than uh, with an email. So the very, very first thing that we do we, is we establish a proper way of communication with our client in a proper communication uh, channel. Like for us, this channel by default is Slack. Uh, I think it happens at least once that we used Teams. Yeah. But it works. For, yeah, it works. It, it works. It gets the job done. Yeah, but it's better than Skype. Yeah, it's easy. For sure, it's better than <laughs> Skype. Uh, but it's easier for us to use Slack because we are already using it and people don't need to switch between different apps and you know just keep all the communication yeah. in one place. And, yeah, for sure. And our people are already used 
to to work with Slack. And Slack added features that are really good, like shared channels, because you can, if our client has Slack and we have Slack, we don't have to invite each other in each other's Slacks, but we just create shared channels. Custom emojis. Custom emojis. <laughs> which, which is a really nice touch. Yes. And custom emojis. And it's, I just remember that we we started with HipChat, but then we turned to, to to Slack. But that's 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 a story for another time. Yeah, old days, old days. Yeah, and yeah, let's say communication is established. And before we start talking about the cadence of this communication, what else? What else is extremely important at the very beginning? Communication is is the first thing. But mm-hmm. then, what mm-hmm. else? Well, the first couple of weeks probably they are not in any way related to writing code what we yep. write is documents and we draw diagrams and we need a shared space for everyone in the team including the client of course to put all the knowledge all the things that we are currently working in terms of figuring out specs figuring out designs figuring out how to uh, build different things and what actually needs to be built right yeah and for this we are right now using whimsicals whimsical, whimsical is great whimsical yes it is, it is a great tool for creating documents and diagrams. That's what I'm using it mainly. Yeah. There are some features for creating things like mind maps and uh, wireframes. Wireframes too, yeah. yeah. Wireframes, but but what we, what we are mainly using it for is documents and diagrams. Yes, and the after communication is established, we usually create, we, we have internal whimsical. We use it for a lot of things. Yeah. And we create a team and a folder where everything's going to be placed. And we use this team and folder in Whimsico as the source of truth, especially in the very beginning for what this project is about, uh, what the priorities are, what the requirements are, are there any proof of concepts, are there any diagrams, everything goes there. And usually the clients, they have like no preference or idea where to keep the communication, uh, the documentation. Mm-hmm. And we just go with Whimsico and we add them. We give them some kind of shared taxes. I think this is not yet great. And it's like, it's a bit off uh, the implementation in Whimsico. They are constantly improving it. Sure. Yeah. But it's not as good as and robust as uh, Google, Google Drive, for example, oh, yeah. and, Google, and Google Docs. Uh, but we give them access and we start using Whimsico heavily in order to figure out what we're going to do, basically. Especially when we are talking about software development, we are we are using diagrams a lot for expressing yes. ideas, uh, different implementations, you know, uh, uh, infrastructure, things like that. And Whimsico is really good with diagrams. It, yeah. it, it, it it's really fast. That's another huge benefit to me because Google Docs, okay. it takes some time to load. When you open a document, it opens in a new tab. The whole JavaScript thing needs to load, and this is making me uh, a little bit more lazy. So sometimes I yeah. just skip opening documents and adding paragraph there because it's just slow and I decide just not to do it, which if it is harder, it's, it's, it, it is um, less likely for me to do it. So yeah. Whimsico is to me a faster alternative. For diagrams especially. Yeah, yeah. especially for diagrams and, and of course documents. It gives you structure. As yeah. developers, we really like structure. Yeah. So we, we need to put our thoughts into some kind of bullets, headings, you know, all this, all this structured texting. And uh, there, of course there are classes where we use Google Docs. Yeah. Uh, the biggest downside of Google Docs, at least for me, is that whenever you embed an image or a diagram inside the document, it's really small, and it, you have to you have to zoom like the entire thing yeah. in order to see what's going on there. And and it's and if you want to have like uh, high fidelity diagrams that are bigger, 
you need to export them and upload them as file and reference them as file and then open them as like PNG and zoom around the PNG, which it's okay, but sometimes you need to have a more native experience uh, for your documents and diagrams being like embedded in each other. Mm-hmm. And that's why we use Whimsical. We started using Whimsical for diagrams. Yeah. When we started using Whimsical, they, they were not supporting documents at all. Mm-hmm. And they added documents. Mm-hmm. And what I really like about them is that they're like constantly bringing new features yeah. and making the product better. And it's fast. That, that's fast. Yeah, that's my main point. It just yeah. it's just fast. You click a button, it opens instantly. So yeah. please don't don't make it slower. <laughs> don't add more feature because <laughs> it is going to make the product slower. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes there are clients that come with like they already have some predefined way of keeping and tracking documentation. Can Google Docs? Yeah. If this is like this is the source of truth, then we use Google Docs as a source of truth. Mm-hmm. And another thing that's the downside of Whimsical is you don't have Excel there. Like in Google Docs, you have yeah. like Google Sheets, and sometimes you need Excel Sheets. So we usually have a sync between a Whimsical project for the client and a Google Drive uh, thing shared thing for for the client for for the spreadsheets. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but it's it's still bearable. It's still manageable because uh, you 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 do more diagrams than spreadsheets, unless you do more spreadsheets. But <laughs> then then it's fine. And sometimes clients come with like Confluence or WikiJS or stuff like this. Mm-hmm. We tend to use if if the client wants to use Confluence because this is their source of truth. Of course, we 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 use Confluence, but still. Yet again, we use Whimsical internally uh, for our internal discussions, for our uh, for when we are preparing some kind of communication towards the client, we still rely on Whimsical heavily. And of course, most of the uh, time, the first couple of days or weeks is just doing research. Yes. Researching what needs to be done, researching other solutions, researching a lot of things. And what 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 I like to do is when I'm doing a research, just open a blank document and start posting everything I yes. I researched, I understood, I I read in this document. So when I finish my research, I have some some output of my work. This yes. is the document containing my research. This is what I learned. This is uh, where I learned it from, and this is basically the, the output, which which to me is really important when you're doing such kind of work. Yes. So. First, two important things, communication, documentation. And just to connect with the topic from the first episode of season three, if we have done discovery phase before this, this is usually already done. Like yes. communication and documentation, they or they go into the discovery phase. And that's why sometimes it's a good idea to do a discovery phase. Mm-hmm. And I, ha- I want to touch a little bit more on communication and talk about cadence of communication. All like right. how often do we communicate with our clients? Because especially in the very beginning, uh, we communicate quite often hour by hour, because there are a lot of things to figure out. And it's, at least in my mind, it's up to us to lead the communication and figure out what the client wants and what what we should build first and where to focus. And that's why you usually need to do quite a lot of communication in the very beginning. And around, around the written communication in Slack, we usually schedule like a weekly meeting with a client, Mm -hmm. but this is just to be in the calendar and to have like a week touch point where we talk, but most of the times we also do quite a lot of ad hoc calls and meetings. Um, Why? Ad hoc meetings are are great, especially for things that are, uh, for example, you need to show a diagram, you need to, uh, you you need a whiteboard, 
whiteboard to express your ideas. Yes. And I find myself in pretty often situations where I'm in a deep thread in Slack discussing some things and, and then I'm just, okay, here, here is a link, just jump in for 10, 15 minutes so we can proper, properly discuss that. And of course, most important is after this meeting, I'm leaving a meeting note so everyone in Slack knows yes. what we talked about, what decisions we made, how we made those decisions and what is the output of this meeting. Leaving a paper trail is something that we do uh, because it's quite important. It is. It is. It is. And yeah, that's that's about the cadence. Uh, a few a few notes here. We don't do daily meetings, not internally, not with clients. Normally, yes. Normally, yes. Unless it's required. Mm -hmm. Unless it's required by the cadence and the uh, state of the project. But sometimes it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's 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 the thing about it. We we try to make sense of the pro of the process. We do agile software development, but it's not Scrum, it's not Kanban, it's Hacksoft's agile software development. Whatever makes sense for this particular phase of the project for this particular client, and we optimize for getting things to end users quicker. Yeah, not as fast as uh, like move really fast and break all the things, but quicker because we still want to maintain uh, a level of quality of what we do. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. again, this is this really depends on the face and the context and the and the current client. And about dailies, the usual thing in software development teams is like every day at 10, everybody gathers and uh, hops on a call and uh, talks about what I've done yesterday, what I'm going to do today, and uh, what are the blockers. What are my uh, challenges, yeah. Yeah, and for me, this is extremely useless and time wasteful it is time consuming for sure yeah yeah it doesn't really scale well when you are with team of four five seven ten developers it doesn't scale well if you're with team of, of three like yeah and above and why why do i think like this because you can do this in slack once you start your day and once you start your work and you don't have this like every day at 10 i must be idling i'm talking for like two minutes and then idling for for 25 minutes more mm -hmm. and if you start some work like you've gotten up earlier this day and started some work and you're now in flow the dailies just they break the flow of everyone and i think it's it's better to have no meetings especially in the uh first half of the day all right so you can be productive get in flow communicate via slack if there's a need to talk of course ad hoc meetings are better uh, and it's the same thing with it's the same thing with clients. We we tend to have at least one meeting per week where we talk. Sometimes there are more. Sometimes there are like we we do the communication entirely through Slack. But we tend not to overdo meetings because meetings they cause fatigue, and uh, people are not feeling very productive when they're constantly stuck in meetings, especially if those meetings have no uh, practical effect. Yeah, and Slack communication is async, meaning that you can post your message whenever you feel like and read the other yeah. messages whenever you feel like. Uh, so that doesn't really block uh, a, a space in your calendar and it doesn't really um, put you in a situation where you just listen to things that you are not really interested at, at this, particular right now, yes. this particular moment. Yeah, uh, Yeah, and that's, it. that's about the cadence. In the beginning, we communicate quite a lot. And once things are settled and uh, rhythm is established, we kind of figure, figure it out. And I have a point here about our client communication playbook, but we're going to discuss this in like different episodes. All right. All right. This is for start, how we start. Okay. All right. So 
Communication, documentation, communication cadence. What's next? Well, after we are done with the basic research and then we already have some actionable items, we need to put, put, to put those actionable items somewhere and start executing them, right? Yeah. And of course, before that, prioritize them. That's really important to, to know what to start with. Yes. So we need, we need some kind of uh, project management system. Yes. Let's say Trello is something that works for us in a really good way. Yes. It is simple. It scales well with bigger teams. And that's what we usually start with. Yeah. What, why, why is that? Why, why do we love Trello so oh, much? For, first of all, Trello is uh, like chef's kiss. <laughs> Sorry, <Yeah>. Teddy. <laughs> Girl, we said it with that. With Trello is great because it's simple and lightweight. Mm -hmm. And it gives you the opportunity to create your own structure. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that's about it. It's simple, lightweight, create your own structure. And we tend to create our own structure. Like it's, it's some kind of a Kanban board, but again, it's adjusted to the context of the, of the current project and the current team. And it just works. Nothing more, nothing less. And we're quite diligent at keeping up to date with Trello. Sometimes it's good to have automation, but sometimes the effort that you need to put, and it's not that much of an effort, but the housekeeping that you do is actually part of the project and it's part of the management and it's part of figuring out the next set of priorities. And that's why it's a good idea to keep your Trello up to date and everyone to keep the Trello up to date because this is the source of truth of what's happening right now and what's going on right now. And if we need, for example, for example, we, we might need a board with like very low level tasks and descriptions that are close to implementation details. And we sometimes have a second board that's more of a feature level, like higher level. And sometimes we can have a third board, but it's, we, we're not limited to just one board, but we make as many boards as we need, depending on the context, depending on the project, depending on the team. That's exactly what I love about is basically the fact that it doesn't really give you anything besides just board. So you, you need to organize yourself. It doesn't really enforce any kind of process to you yes. because the process, of course, is a function of the team, the client and the project itself. So we cannot have like exact same projects in different teams, exact same process in different teams. And and you can do whatever you like. You can make uh, five boards, three boards, two boards. You, you you don't have this concept of sprints. You don't. It, it is not enforcing you any kind of process, and that makes you think. Okay, what is the best thing to do right now with this team, with this project, with this, with this client? Yes. Yes. How, how many? And it's fast. It's fast. That that is another really good point to me. Yeah. It, it is just fast. You you, yeah. you you press the link and it opens almost instantly. Yes, it's fast. Not not as Jira. How many times have you heard, let's use Jira, let's create a sprint board, let's uh, estimate the work that we want to do as a team, put the work in the sprint board, and I promise you as a client or as a project manager on the client side, nothing will change and you're going to work for two weeks straight in this uh, sprint board on those tasks. How many times? Uh, almost every day. <laughs> I guess that's something normal. Yeah. Uh, people that have some experience, some previous experience with software teams, and when they have seen something work, they try to apply the same thing in in other yes. teams, which is, I guess, not the right way to go to, for yeah. me. Because, again, it is a function of this given team and this given project and yeah. this given client. And um, you cannot just get the process that was working there and try to apply it here. And what I'm doing is just asking the 
uh, question what what problem you're trying to solve by doing this. Great question. We are going to end up with a lot of overhead of managing the Jira, uh, adding sprints, adding estimate. What What is the problem? Do you feel that the pace is too low? We need to get faster in shipping things or do you think that, or, or you just need to see some numbers in order to compare them with something else or I don't know. Yeah. What what problem you're trying to solve? And if there is not any particular problem that you're trying to solve, then let's just not change the, the process of the team. Let us use the tools that we are comfortable with and that we're productive with and don't try to apply a cookie cutter solution uh, to everything. Mm -hmm. And of course, if you like to start making, let's say, estimates, we, we can do this with Trello. We just add a another column or just an annotation in the uh, title of the ticket or something else or, or adding a custom field. There are solutions for not changing your entire software, but just yeah. appending a little thing that's going to improve your situation. Yeah. Okay, we are going to have a topic about software estimations. Okay. And then it's going to be an entire episode of just us ranting. <laughs> I don't think so. It's promised a rant episode is coming and we're going to talk about software estimations. <laughs> Moving forward. So uh, Slack, I mean, communication, documentation, communication cadence, basically a place to keep a track of the work project management. Mm -hmm. What's next? Well, it seems like it's time to scratch the surface with some code. Yes. So code is the fifth thing we, we start doing when we start uh, a new software project. Yes. And we need to start uh, to start with a code repo, a repository where to yes. keep the actual code. Uh, we are, I think we are using GitHub for every project. That yeah, we almost exclusively GitHub, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. It is just the best tool out there for, yes. for, for doing source control. And uh, normally we create private repositories in, in the client's organization. Very important thing, client's organization. Yeah, just because the code is something that the client owns yes. and we, we would like this code to be in their organization so they they are just, of the, they have all the control they need in the yeah. um, repo. Yeah, and this, is, and this is usually what we help clients with because if they have no idea about this, we guide them through the process of creating an organization, becoming the owner of this organization, adding their billing details, setting, setting up, up two-factor yeah. authentication for two sure, authentication. private repos so we don't just work in a public... Private repos, private members of the organization yeah. be because you don't want to. Sometimes you don't want to leak who's working there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is also private information. And uh, for me, like it's, it's really bad practice if a client just decides to in their own personal account, they are going to have like five private repos and you're just added to them. No, 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 no. That's like, no, no, no. Don't no. do that. <laughs> or, or or the other way, you just create it in your organization for start and then you're going to figure it out. No, 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 no. no, no. no. <laughs> you create your own organization and add us there. Exactly, yeah. And stick to something that's robust as GitHub. Like mm -hmm. uh, Bitbucket's fine. I cannot say anything bad about Bitbucket. I've had some experience with it. It's fine. It is. It is fine, yeah. But the thing is, like, GitHub rules right now, and we're used to it. And again, th this is the tool that we are productive with. It's important. And they're bringing a lot of new things in there constantly. I'm following yes. their changelog. Every week there is something new that is, hmm, that's nice. Yes, yes. Not a must-have, but it's nice. Yeah. And then we have a place to keep our code, and we start basically working, the developing software, creating projects. What's next? 
almost at the same time, we need to yeah. set up a test environment. Yeah. It's really important to have a test environment from from the actual beginning, yeah. so client can see the the clients can see the changes live that we are making and iterate. Uh, on top of those changes while we are still working. So yes. so having a, a, a staging development or whatever environment that's not a production environment is really important. Yes. And in order to have that and deploy daily or hourly there, we yeah. need some kind of automation that gets yeah. the code and push it to the corresponding environment. Exactly. We are mainly using GitHub Actions for this. It's bundled with GitHub, so yeah. it's almost for free there. And it's really important when we are trying to set up a, dev or um, staging environment yep. for the client to test and see what's being done. We are trying to ship this as fast as possible, yes. meaning that we are not thinking for, okay, what the infrastructure is going to be for the production servers. Let's spend two weeks setting up something yes. huge on AWS. We go with the easiest possible solution using some kind of software uh, platform as a service to deploy it and just keep it there so we can continue developing, developing. And once we are pretty clear on what the product is going to look like, how it's going to work, then we are thinking as for the um, real production yeah. infrastructure. Yeah, well, very well said. And usually from our experience, this is Heroku. Uh, we say the R in a very Eastern European way. It's Heroku, but we is say it? Heroku. Heroku, with yeah. Hard, yeah. Anyway, uh, it's Heroku, it's Vercel, it's Firebase. This is from our experience mm -hmm. because it's really easy and fast to spin an environment and get the ball rolling. Like have something where... And also, we establish a proper way of uh, this is how we develop features, this is how we deploy to dev, this is how we deploy to for if we have a QA environment, and we start we start working and we get the ball rolling and we get something uh, in front of the client as soon as possible because the feedback is extremely important in order to continue building on top and figuring out what the software needs to be. Sure. In order, in order to give feedback, you need to see something being done. Yes. So it's it's definitely a different experience when you're looking at the design saying, okay, yeah, this, this looks great, just implement it like this. And then when you see the actual software being built in this way, yes. you 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 start getting a lot of a lot of feedback, which is totally normal. And that's why we are aiming to deploy as fast as possible to some kind of a staging environment. Yes. To show off what what what's being done. And we aim to have this done within the first week. While everything else, so all, all the things that we discussed, they're kind of happening simultaneously at the same time. And we aim to have things like prop, like a proper setup for development and uh, deploying to your test environment within within the first within the first month. Like within the first week, we're going to have the environments, but within the first month, we're going to know how we uh, develop and deploy uh, with with the Trello, with the documentation, with the communication with the client. And once this is up and running, and once the ball is rolling, then it's a standard software development process. Where again, we have uh, we have a topic about this in our blog, which I crashed yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Never delete something from your uh, ghost block without actually figuring out what is it. Uh, so we have an article about this in our blog and we're going to perhaps discuss it in a future Hackcast episode. But this is how we start new projects. Communication, documentation, communication cadence, project management, we usually use Trello, source repository to keep the project somewhere, GitHub. As soon as possible, have test and staging environments yeah. in order to get something in front of the client and then 
continue working towards the goal. And it's really the case where when we are done with the first month of work, we really change the way we work. Yes. Because it's, for example, if um, the, those meetings that we scheduled that, that we scheduled every day are not no 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 longer necessary, we just remove them from the calendar and we change constantly change the process so it fits best the team, the project, and the client. It's iteration and adaptation. Yeah. And I uh, I must say we have become pretty good at this. I can agree. There's still much to learn, but we've become pretty good at this. And I think something else. Not really. That's that's a wrap. Uh, that's season three, episode number four. We talked about how we start new projects. What are we aiming right now with our YouTube channel? To reach 1K subscribers. 1,000. 1,000, yeah. 1,000 subscribers in order to for every, everyone here to be happy. Mostly Teddy. Hi, Teddy. That's about it. Thank you for watching. If you like what you're seeing, like, subscribe, leave a comment, ask us a question. And if you really like what you're seeing, share this with your friends. I am Rado. This is Ivo. This is Hackcast. See you in the next episode. Bye-bye.